Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. All right, get your Bibles out or however you do that. Get ready. Turn to Philippians 3 for me. Open your Bible, open your iPad, open your phone, open your eyes. Come of you guys already, I've already put you to sleep already. Hey, this is a fun one, so I won't have any problem. So we're going to jump in to lesson two, session two, in our Saved series. And, and I wrestled with the name a little bit. I thought Saved kind of was the best name, but it's, it's now what? If I had a subtitle, I'd say Saved, now what? It all begins, everything begins with being saved. That is the most important thing. That's why we structure ourselves as a church. We are on mission to seek and save the lost, just like Jesus. And we want people to go to heaven, amen? And so that's our mission. That's why you need to be inviting people to church. Invite them to watch online. Invite them to refresh unsaved, unchurched people so they can have a relationship with Jesus. But the series is moving us beyond saved. That is our starting point because too many people stop right there at saved and miss out on the amazing things God has for them beyond that point. Now you need to be saved to experience all that. So that is the most important step, but God has so much beyond for that. So that's what we're talking about. So let's go ahead and jump into Philippians 3, verse 13 for me. Philippians 3, right here. This is Paul. He's been saved already, has a relationship there, and now he's teaching, preaching, going around. Here's what he says, brothers and sisters, he's talking to people in the church of Philippi, he's talking to other Christians. I haven't got there yet. I do not consider myself yet. I haven't yet taken hold of it. We're going to talk about today what it is, but Paul's like saying, I haven't arrived yet, and kind of thinks, reading through scriptures, he's got to be close. I don't know where he is there on the journey, but can I tell you, none of us will ever really completely arrive till we get to heaven, so we're on a journey of moving forward. We're never supposed to stay the same, and for goodness sake, we're never supposed to go back, amen? And so God has so much more. He says, I'm moving forward because I haven't arrived there yet. And let me say this. If you feel you've arrived there yet and everything God has for you, pack your bag. Jesus is coming to get you. (laughs) Okay, anyway, so, all right, we're moving forward. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining, say straining. Straining. There's a little work. You don't work for your salvation. Come on, it's been provided. Jesus did all the work for your salvation. Amen. Thank God for that. So you don't work for your salvation. It is a free gift. But after that, like we learned last week, then you work to show the results of your salvation. You work to help other people find their salvation in Christ. You work to become all that God has for you to become and do what he has for you to do. So straining toward what is ahead, ahead of me, not going back, I press another word uh, talking about work. I press toward the goal. Say goal goal. There is a goal, and that's a good thing. Uh, Man, you might understand this picture because of football, but there's a goal line. It's easier to run a play if you know the goal line. You know the goal. You know where the goal line is. You're not just out there trying to do something. Oh, my goal is just to love Jesus more. Great. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. There's an it. I'm striving, pressing towards it. I haven't taken a hold of it yet. Towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So we're talking about that goal. uh, That how how do we know when we've gotten there? How how do we know what the goal is? What's a win look like for you and I? Uh, How do we know when we've scored? And it's not just loving God more. We all need to do that, but there's something God wants us to do and fulfill on the planet. That's not the goal line. There's a specific measurable one. In fact, when you, if you think of it in terms like this, Paul's talking about something that you can, it is implied that he sees. There's a goal over there. Like I'm here 
and there's a goal over there, and I'm working to get there. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about today. There's some work to get to that goal, to get to it. And I want to show you the goal line today. And after, after we've got to that point of being saved, what's the goal line? What's the win? What does that look like? Uh, Paul said, I'm pressing on and striving and straining for that. And listen, saved is not just about going to heaven. There's so much more. God has a plan for your life. In fact, the plan God has for your life has been in his heart for thousands of years. Not just when you got on the planet. It's the same goal, the same plan he's had for thousands of years. After people are saved, God has a plan. His plan wasn't, his plan wasn't just for you to get saved. That's the priority, that's the first thing, because you can't fulfill the rest unless you're saved. And he wishes that none should perish, but all shall come to the everlasting life, amen? But he has a plan beyond your salvation, so don't stop there. He has a goal line after you're saved. And so we're gonna look in the Old Testament. It gives us a picture of what that looks like, a really clear picture. And so I love the Old Testament. I'm a history guy, I love the New Testament, don't get me wrong. Old Testament is a foreshadowing of the new and lets us know about Jesus and all the things to come. In fact, since our Israel trip two years ago, the Old Testament has just really come alive. New Testament as well, but it's just totally changed how I read the word. But let me give you a story out of the Old Testament to help us today. And it's a story most of us are probably familiar with. Moses is delivering the children of Israel from uh, Egyptian bondage and slavery over 400 years. God's people have been in slavery and bondage. And so Moses is in exile because he killed an Egyptian guard. He's in exile in the desert and he's herding sheep and all kinds of things for his father in law. All of a sudden, uh, he comes across the burning bush. If you remember that story, the, the bush looked like it was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed by the fire. And so uh, the Lord spoke to Moses out of that and said, take your sandals off, you're on holy ground. And Moses is like, okay, what, what do you want with me, God? And, Moses, and God said to Moses, I want you to go deliver my people from Egypt And Moses is like, well, hold on a second. I live with that Pharaoh guy and he is not about to let him go. And God says, don't worry, I'll take care of that. I got some power, some uh, signs and wonders I'm gonna show him and it'll all work out. Don't worry, go down and let my people go. So Moses on his way down there, God continues to speak to him during that time. But on his way down there, he knows that God asked him to deliver two messages, one to Pharaoh. But before that, God gives him instructions to give a message to the people of God, God's people that are in captivity, in slavery, and in bondage. And so Moses goes to the people before he goes to Pharaoh, before there's any plagues, before they ever left. And he presents the overall plan to the people of God. And he's telling, hey, listen, you're in a pit. You've got mud all over you. You're making bricks all day long with no straw. You're working hard, not even for yourselves. I know you never thought you'd be doing this. I know this isn't the life that we want to live. I know it's hard. I know we have evil taskmasters. I know you're word, you're wore out. You're a slave. This is not what God has in mind for you. This is never God's plan for his people. And can I tell you today, it's still not God's plan for his people. We are still not to live in bondage. We are not to live under a yoke of slavery. And many of us still unfortunately find ourselves at places we're just making bricks all day. We're in mud all day and we're serving another master. And God says, I have a better way. I got a better plan for you. That's not what I intended. That's not the life I intended you to live. And so he's given the plan to the people. I think it's still the same plan today. And so let's take a look at the plan as God spoke it to Moses, to the people, Exodus 6, Chapter six, verse six through seven. Here's what it says. Therefore say to the Israelites, say to my people, I am the Lord. 
and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Now notice you'll, in these two scriptures, you'll see four places where he says, I will, this is God's plan. Here's what I will do. I will bring you out. I will rescue you. I will save you. I will get you out of Egypt, he says. He goes on to say this, I will free you from being slaves to them. I will free you from being slaves to them. I'll help. That sounds like, well, that's just, he just said that in the first one. Can I tell you, there are two different things. First of all, he's going to save you and rescue you. He's going to get you out of Egypt. Secondly, he's going to get Egypt out of you. Because he needs to change our thinking. Because listen, the Israelites spent 400 years in slavery and captivity. That's all they knew. They didn't know what living free truly was. They didn't know what living as a child of God really could be like. All they knew was slavery. They couldn't think for themselves. They couldn't do for themselves because they had an evil taskmaster. That's all they knew. God doesn't only want to save you. He wants to deliver you from thinking like you're still a slave. Part of his plan. I will, he goes on to say, I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you, redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. I will redeem you. Redeem means to put something back, to put something back to the way it was. And here's what, here's what that means. He goes, I never intended for you to be a slave. You have a greater plan than what you're experiencing. And he says, I will put you back to what I always intended you to be. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to get you out of that place of bondage. And then I'm going to get that thinking, that slave-minded thinking out of you. And then I'm going to put you back to be what I always intended you to be. God never intended for us to live our lives that way. He never intended for us to live our lives as slaves. They were supposed to be doing something other than slavery, and they needed help to find out what they were supposed to be doing. He says, I'll do it with an outstretched arm. We'll talk about that in a minute. And he goes on to say this, then I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Now, I know it's two I wills, but it's the same thought. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. He's saying, well, after I rescue you and save you, after I deliver you and get that slave mentality out of you, and I set you back to who you were intended to be, we're a family, and we're going to change this world, and we are going to be significant here on the planet, and we're going to do things to help other people. And listen, he's saying, you're going to be a part of me, and I'm going to be a part of your life. So listen, that's the plan of God. So Moses goes, tells the people the plan. Then he goes to Pharaoh, let my people go. God says, he doesn't listen. Plague after plague after plague after plague. Finally, after the 10th plague, the firstborn of every household was to die, Jewish or Egyptian, unless, unless there was blood from a sacrificial lamb uh, put on the doorpost, the lamb on the doorpost. If God sees the blood of the lamb, the death angel will pass over you, he says. Aren't you thankful for the blood of the lamb, Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, amen. He shed his blood so death could pass over us, amen. So we don't have a sentence of death on us anymore when we call upon the Lord because his blood has freed us, amen. And I love that picture. How many of you guys remember that uh, it just, we just had Easter, so the, Ten Command, the old Ten Commandments movie, right? And I love it. I watch it every year. I know it's forever old and I watch it every year and, and I see the, you know, the death angel through the fog kind of going through the streets and stuff like that and all the screams and stuff. I don't know if it was really like that, but the reality is that the only thing that saved God's people was the blood of the lamb. The only thing that will save us, amen, from a sentence of death is the blood of the lamb. And I love that idea, that picture there. And so Pharaoh says, go, get out of here. And Moses led what many scholars believe to be three to four million people out 
into their freedom, if you will, former slaves out of Egypt across the Red Sea. Um, he gets the Ten Commandments along the way and it takes him to the Promised Land. And one of the commandments that they received out of the Ten, one of the commandments was this was so important to God, he made it a commandment. He said, remember that day. Remember the day that I brought you out of Egypt. Remember the day that I brought you out of being slavery from that yoke of bondage. The day you were freed. He said, celebrate it. Can I tell you, we need to celebrate the freedom God brings to us every single day. The freedom in Jesus every single day. Not just on Sundays, but every day. Thankful, grateful. I don't know why, but I'm grateful. I don't know why you did it, but I'm grateful. Thank you for freeing me and setting me free. He says, celebrate it. Remember it. And to this day... Jewish families still celebrate the Passover. And so now in Passover, there's a lot of customs, a lot of rituals, a lot of foods, things they eat, things they drink, things they do. But at the center of the Passover, there are four cups of wine that represent something. Four cups in the center of the Passover as they celebrate it every year. And they read the verses we just read in Exodus 6, 6 and 7. And they read those and each one of the I wills corresponds with a cup of wine. And so they celebrate the journey God took them on. And so we can look at these four cups and we can see what God wants to do in our lives. So let's take a look because there's a corresponding cup to a corresponding statement made, an I will statement in there. And I believe it clearly lets us know the it or the plan that God has for our life. So number one, the first cup is the cup of sanctification sanctification, where he said, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Now, understand that we, well, let me say this, we misunderstand the word sanctification sometimes, sanctified. We think it means holy. That's not the right, um, that's not the right definition of sanctification or sanctified. It means set apart. Like this is a sanctuary. Where are we going to meet? We're going to meet in a sanctuary. This is not necessarily a holy place. I don't want to offend anybody, but can I tell you, I, there's a lot of times I look at this place and I think, man, if we take all these chairs out, we can play wiffle ball, we, you know, whatever. We can, man, kind of a staff day that might be kind of, where's all the pastors at? I don't know, in the sanctuary. And so we can take this place. Is it, it, it is holy when you come. It is holy because of the God inside of you, you make this place holy. This place is a building. It's a room that we meet. It is set apart for you and I to meet here. Scripture says sanctified is something set apart. I set apart my family, not to be in bondage. I'm going to bring them out and set them apart from bondage and slavery. Uh, another example I heard uh, one time shared was, it's like uh, fine china. I don't, I don't know about you, but when we got married, we registered it. I can't, I don't know if it was Dillard's or whatever. I don't know. But anyway, so, so long ago, almost this month, 21 years. And so it was, uh, yeah, yeah, excited. So, uh, but we register for China, right? You register for these nice place settings and you put on your registry and then people buy uh, the plates and you get all these things and you use them maybe once a year, right? It's like once, maybe twice a year. You don't keep them where you keep the paper plates. That's what I do know, right? It's like, where's all that fancy stuff? It's like, well, over there in the cabinet stuff. Well, why don't we eat on that? No, don't touch it, <laughs> right? It's like, I'm eating at my grandma's China, my mom's China. At Christmas, maybe that's it. And it's like, it's sanctified. It's set apart. It's special. We only use this for special occasions. Can I tell you, I don't know if it's a silly illustration or not, but it is the picture that we are set apart and special. And God had, had that first cup represents, you're not in bondage slavery. You're, you're, you're set apart. You're out of that place. For some of you, you've never eaten on the China in the history of your marriage or life, whatever. Uh, I finally, my wife finally decided to sell it all and now she's into fiesta wear. So I, she has a fiesta wear addiction. I think she's gonna start a life group. But anyway, so, anyway, so, and we love it. But anyway, so, I, just, I probably just been in a lot of trouble right now. I'm just trying to think, how can I recover from that one? But I can't. I can't. So I, I'm going to need, yeah, I got to buy you more fiesta wear now. That's why you said, yeah, that's right. 
Right, he said, keep feeding it, keep feeding it. Okay, so the second cup, the cup of deliverance, the cup of deliverance. And so the cup of deliverance, they grab another cup, they do some other things and they drink from the second cup and, and it, it's the I will free you from being slaves. And again, that's where they remember when God trained them how not to be slaves. That sounds funny, but understand all they knew was an evil taskmaster. That's all they knew how to live. Can I tell you, the world, the devil is an evil taskmaster. And we don't know how to live godly when we get saved. And can I tell you, I love a lot of people. I love talking. I'm going to try and slow down for a second. I love talking to people that just got saved because you can hear, oh, you're just newly saved. <laughs> you know, it's like, because it's like, so, you got to get them out of Egypt, but then you got to get Egypt out of them. The great thing about that is God doesn't expect you to clean yourself up and come to him. He wants you to come to him just as you are just as you are with all that, and then you'll work on getting cleaned up. But if you'll read Leviticus, God spent time telling them very detailed information on just how to live, how to be a people, how to live right. I mean, you'll read things in there like how to deal with diseases and quarantine and, and be clean and all that. And you'll read in there even how to dispose with waste in the camp. You'll read all kinds of, why? Because they didn't know how to think for themselves. They didn't know how to live for themselves. They didn't know, certainly didn't know how to live good and how to live for God. And so the cup of deliverance is God uh, teaching us how then we don't have to live with a slave mentality. We don't have to have that mindset. So uh, more things take place and they grab the third cup of wine. It's the cup of redemption, the cup of redemption. And they remember, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And they read the third, I will. And then they drink from the cup. I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm. That means just what it sounds, outstretched arm. It means God reached down to them. Aren't you glad God reached down to where you were? He reached down to the pit, the scripture says. He reached down and pulled you out of the miry pit and set your feet upon a rock. He reached down to the, the, to the place that you were wore out and broken and tired. You didn't have to try to get to him. He reached his arm down to you and pulled you out of that place. And the Bible says, set your feet on a rock. And for some of us, it can be, he's reaching down to you on that, on that Saturday morning after a, a Friday night when you've hung over the toilet the whole time. He's reaching down to you in the midst of your addiction when you're broken, laying on the floor. He's reaching down to you when, when you've been hurt and rejected and in your brokenness that you want to get out of bed. He's reaching down to you with an outstretched arm to redeem you. And redeem means to put you back to the place that he always, he, to, to put you where he always intended you to be, who you intended to be. I didn't ever, he said, I never intended for you to be a slave. I never intended for you to live in bondage. So I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to reach down, pull you out of that place. And I'm going to put you back to be a son and daughter of the king, a, a child of God. That's what he always intended. He never intended for his people to walk in bondage and slavery. He pulled you out of slavery, the place God never intended for you to live. And there was one, and this one's even amazing today, just real quick. I mean, this is the way God does it when he did it to his people back then. I will, and they celebrate it today. One of the things that was fascinating for us in Israel was we learned so many things about the nation today and how God formed a nation today with his people and how amazing they are. He still made them great. He made them to be great. If you study about the people of Israel today, the nation of Israel, they're leaders in banking. They're, they're leaders in science. They're leaders in, in health. They're, they're leaders in, in, uh, in fact, they are the leading country in desalination technology, meaning they can turn salt water into drinking water. They can turn the ocean into drinking water. They lead the world in all that. They lead the world. They have 22% of Nobel Peace Prize winners are Jewish people. 
But Jewish people make up for like a 0.02%, 1% of the world's population. What has God done? God has reached down and pulled them out of that place and made his people great. He's still doing it today. And it's not just for them, for the Jewish people. It's all those that would call upon the name of the Lord, his people. Amen. He redeems you. I love that. Even today, God does it, not just for back in that day. He wants that for all who call upon his name, all who are saved. Okay, finally then they grab the fourth cup of wine and it's called the cup of praise. And this one's funny to me because it just makes sense. But this cup is called the cup of praise and that just makes sense after you're drinking four cups of wine. Can I tell you, right? They're just like, hallelujah, hallelujah. I said, <laughs> after the fourth cup, I don't know. Anyway, so, you know, it's like, it's a, but it, and that's really, it's the cup of praise or the cup of hallel, which is where we get the word hallelujah. In fact, the yah on the part of hallelujah speaks to Yahweh, which is a word for God. And so it says praise or celebrate the hallel, God. Celebrate God. Celebrate what God's done. Celebrate that you're part of his family. Remember that fourth part? part? I will be your God and you will be my people. You celebrate God. Now he's part of your family. You're part of his family. And you can make a difference in this life and live fulfilled filled as he always intended. The cup of Hallel, the cup of praise, it really means celebrate God. So why do you celebrate? Because I'm part of a people. I have a, I, I, I have a great God. I, I have a plan for my life. I, I can live fulfilled. So that's an awesome story. But God never intended it to be just a story of a group of people who came out of Egypt thousands of years ago. That same plan is still in God's heart. It's the same plan still in his heart for his people. And he intends for it to be the story of everyone that is saved all who will call upon his name. So Jesus comes along and he breaks the curse of sin. He breaks the curse of the devil by paying for his sins on the cross. Amen. Thankful for that. The work of the cross broke sin and death and the devil off our lives. And he gives instructions after he comes up out of the grave, resurrection power, he gives instruction to his followers before he ascends to heaven and we call it the great commission. He left instructions for all of us, the great commission. What he basically says is now that sin is broken, get back to the plan my dad put in place years ago. Now that sin is broken, get back to the plan that God always had intended for your life. He says this, the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Basically he says this, get them out of Egypt, get them out of bondage, get them out of slavery. And he says, then those that believe, baptize them, bring them to a place of deliverance. And he says, then disciple them. Help them get back to what I always intended them to be. And then he says, then send them out as my people, making a difference on the earth. The great commission, the plan of God for thousands of years ago is still his plan today. That's the it. When Paul says, I'm straining, I'm pressing towards it. Ephesians 1, 11 through 12, message paraphrase says this, it's in Christ, it's in Christ. That's the only way you're gonna find the it for your life is in Christ. You can't Google it. You can't ask other people for it. It's found in Jesus Christ. You've got to get close to him. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He was always watching you, had designs. He's always wanted you, had designs on us for glorious living. I love that. For a good life. Part of the overall purpose, he's working out in everything and everyone. God has great plans for you and I. Another passage says it's in him that we live and move and have our being. You'll only find it in Christ. 
He sees what you're doing. He sees where you are, and he still loves you. Aren't you glad for that? But he has designs for you for a glorious living, the Bible says. You're saved, but don't stay there. Don't stay there. Go on the journey. It's only the beginning. Saved means there's so much more. Uh, Just an Easter Sunday, if you were here. If not, just you can go back and watch it. I shared about a trip. We went to India, and then on the way home, we had an extended stay in Frankfurt, Germany. We thought, just, hey, let's check that out. So we a little bit of family vacation there. And so uh, we actually went to Heidelberg. And so uh, I, I took some pictures. I'm going to show a picture here of Heidelberg Castle. I showed it on Easter Sunday. We talked about the ruins and how the resurrection power helps rebuild the ruin of your life, the ruins of your life. And you can see Heidelberg Castle. It was amazing walking through town in different places and seeing that. I actually took several different pictures from several different spots and seeing that. But we knew that we wanted to get up there. I was like, man, we got to go up there. And the problem was uh, I wasn't feeling my best. I hadn't hadn't been feeling good through the India trip. And then now I'm in Heidelberg. And I thought, but I'm not going to miss out on that. I I missed the good weather day, hoping that another day would get me a little bit better. And I just thought I I wasn't feeling good that next day. But I'm going. I'm not going to leave this place without getting there. This looks awesome from down here, but I want to get up there. And here's the view. Here's what I got up there to the overlook and looking out then over the city, and it's just spectacular. I mean, it is incredible. As much as I thought standing on the ground and looking at Heidelberg Castle was amazing, it paled in comparison, there's another picture, it paled in comparison to the view from the top. Can I tell you, don't be satisfied with just your salvation. God reached down and pulled you out of the pit and set you on a rock, and that's exciting, but I'm telling you, he's got so much more, so you need to climb and take the journey. You need to drink from the next cup, because if you think the view down there is good, what do you think the view up here is gonna be like? And the view like here is pretty incredible, let me tell you, out of this cup. But I'm telling you what, then you drink from the next cup and you keep pressing towards, you keep straining towards, and they think this view's good, that view was good, this view's even better. But then you drink from that other cup and you get up to the place that God wants you to be and the view from up here is incredible. Keep climbing, God wants to take you to higher heights. He's got so much more. Yeah, thank God that we're saved. We're pulled out of the pit. But listen, that's just the beginning of the journey. Keep climbing. Drink the next cup. Drink the next cup. The problem is too many Christians stop after their first cup. I'm not talking literally. <laughs> Spiritually. That's a whole nother message right there. So let's just make sure when I say keep drinking, do you understand what I'm talking about there? I just want to make sure. Some of you said, man, this is my pastor right here. That's right. Keep climbing. Let me say it that way. Keep climbing. Keep climbing. The view up here is incredible. That's what God always intended. Don't stop down there. I thank God that he pulled me out of that miry pit and saved me. But oh my goodness. You think that's awesome. He's got so much more. Just keep climbing. Keep climbing up there. The view's great. Keep climbing. The view from the top. We're out of the mud and the junk. But don't stop there. Let's go to higher heights. Don't be satisfied with where you're at, wherever you are on that. You're saved, that's awesome. Look what God can do. Some of us are still serving the wrong master. Let's just be quite honest. Some of us are still serving a slave owner called the devil. He's an evil taskmaster. And you know that because you know that inside you, you're unfulfilled and your life is miserable and you feel like a slave in bondage. You don't even need me standing up here telling you that. And this is not about being more religious. This is not about joining a church. This is about a bunch of us needing to get out of Egypt. And drinking from the first cup, the number one is this, the first cup, be saved and set free. Salvation is the first step. It is the first cup. So you can have a new God. You can have a new home. You can have a new life. You can have a new plan. You can have a new future. You can have a new master. His name is Jesus, a new Lord, Lord of Lords. 
We celebrate salvation here, that first cup. That's what we're all about. I mean, we're about other things, but listen, our priority is to get people saved because you can't drink from the other cups if you haven't drank from cup number one. And so we do what we can do to seek and save the lost, but we want to take you then on a journey. But listen, from January to this past Sunday, I don't know how many first service, but we had 325 people give their life to Jesus drinking from that first cup. Amen. That's where they celebration right there. Come on. Drinking from that first cup. Saved, set free. And you know if it's you because whatever you're doing isn't working because sin doesn't work. Hey, everybody, there's a better view. There's a better view. John 8, 34 says this. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone. Don't think you have it under control. You can't do it without the power of Jesus, without that being broke off your life. You may need to get out of Egypt. Here's what it looked like. Titus 3, 3 through 7, message paraphrase. Get the live notes. Okay, it wasn't so long ago that we ourselves, listen, I love how the Bible talks, but the message paraphrase. It wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn, dupes of sin, ordered every which way by our glands, our feelings, our emotions, going around with a chip on our shoulder, hated and hating back. But when God... Our kind and loving Savior God stepped in. He saved us from all that. It was all His doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath and we came out new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with Him and listen to this, and given us back our lives. No longer slaves, no longer in bondage. And there's more, He says. There's more to this life. Keep climbing and there's an eternity with me afterwards, He says. That's incredible. It's God's plan. It's what God intended. Do you want your life back? He's given you your life back. There's more to life. That's the first cup. Many of you have already drank from that cup. You're saved. The problem is many, 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 many stopped there. Many never experienced any, anything else of God's plan. You're out of Egypt, but you still have some Egypt to get out of you. So you need to drink from the second cup. Number two, be healed and delivered. Be healed and delivered. I, I'm, I'm just saying that, that salvation is good, but and you're going to heaven, but God still has more. And even though you're saved, there's stuff to deal with. We talked about that. Maybe you have some addictions. Maybe you have some habits. Maybe you have some hurts and some wounds and some bad experiences to deal with. Maybe we keep thinking like a slave when we're not. Luke 4:18 says this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And that doesn't mean money. Talk about the poor in spirit, broken. He has... Uh, sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. He's come to get not only you out of Egypt, but get Egypt out of you, to free your thinking, freedom after salvation. Don't stop at the first cup. Go to the place of healing and deliverance. Jesus said this, John 8, 34 through 36. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. He goes on to say this. Now a slave, now listen to this. This is interesting. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. A slave isn't part of the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Now keep that up there. And see, we love that. Verse 36, if the son sets you free, Jesus will be free indeed. Can I I tell you, we celebrate that and we quote that and that's probably on all our refrigerators and all our mirrors in the bathroom. But listen, that comes, listen where that comes from. That comes from verse 35. It says, don't be a slave any longer, but be a son, belong to the family. God's freedom comes from God's family. Now you're already saved, right? 
You've already drank the first cup. The second cup, the freedom, getting that slavery mentality out of you comes when you come together with a group of people and do life together. We help each other walk out a victorious life. We don't live that way any longer. We don't talk that way any longer. Not in a mean, we're family. We can, we can be honest with each other. So our freedom, after our release from bondage and slavery, our freedom and mentality, how do we live? Be like, we need each other. We need to belong to a group of believers. But listen, more than that, we need to belong to a, a, a small group. God's plan to help you find God's freedom is God's people. James 5.16 says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Well, I thought confessing my sins to God brought healing. No, confessing your sins to God brings forgiveness. Confessing your sins to a small group of other people in the family brings freedom. Yes. Brings freedom, why? Because then you don't have secrets any longer and now they can help you walk through that. Hey, I don't know, and in your group, you're like, hey, I don't know, and I know I've been looking a certain way, but that's not really me. I'm really struggling with this, and I, we spend enough time together, I feel like I can share my heart, and then say, man, I'm glad you did. I've had you on my heart, but listen, don't think you're the only one, because we struggle with things too. And we can walk in this together. We can pray for each other together. We can encourage each other together. We can walk in this freedom together. Listen, the goal of small groups is not more information. You just want us in another group to teach us more stuff. No, that's, that's, not, that's not the goal of it. I hope that you learn stuff. The goal of small groups is relationships. And relationships change you. So the goal of small groups is not information, but transformation. Because it's being in the family that helps you walk in the freedom. According to the scripture we just read, being in the family helps you walk in the freedom that God has for you. So it's where you tell someone, guess what, I need help. And they rally around you and say, let's walk it out together. Don't be a first cup Christian or you're saved and going to heaven but missing the best part of the journey. It's a better view from the top. And once you're free and only when you had that moment drinking from that cup, then you get the third cup and it's be discipled and equipped, be discipled and equipped. We get saved and then we get delivered and we can look to our future because you can't go on to your tomorrows when you're still wrestling with your yesterday. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.18, here's what it says. And so we're transfigured, we're changed much like the Messiah to look like Jesus, our lives gradually, it's a process becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more like him. Discipled, growing, don't stay where you are, grow. Grow to be more like Christ. Press in, strain towards that. Ephesians 4, 7 says this, but to each of us, grace has been given as it's Christ has apportioned it. Now that's not the grace, a saving grace, and that's not the grace you say before you eat. But listen, that is a grace, meaning a Greek word for it is charis, or a gift. It's a divine enablement. Charis is gift, divine enablement. So God gave, Christ gave each one of us a gift that we need to discover and grow in. And so you need to do two things. You need to press into God for yourself, absolutely. But then you need to also work with us or let us work with you to help you find your gift and get plugged in and use it to grow. You need to be equipped and discipled. That's why we have the growth track. The growth track starts the first Sunday in May, every other month, it starts every other month. Lesson two of the growth track, personality profile tests and a spiritual gifted test. Why do you do that? Because we believe design reveals destiny. You are given certain gifts by Jesus and when you discover them, it points to who you are and what you are to do on the planet. Many of us never discover that. Our frustration a lot of times comes from doing things we were never created to do. 
Burnout's not coming from doing too much work, it's from coming doing too much of the things you weren't created to do. So once we discover how he's wired us by personality and spiritual gift, and it's like, oh, and we can get plugged in. So now we know what to say yes to, and now we know what to say no to. Then we can live a more fulfilling life. So we need to be equipped, and we help you do that. Growth Track's coming up next month. Find out how you're made. It will reveal what you're supposed to do. Personality profile, spiritual gift profile, it'll help. It'll make sense to you. Or you can stay where you are and just keep looking up. But I'm inviting you to climb to see the view from the top. And here's the ultimate, the cup of Hillel, the last one. It's when people say, let me, de- let me describe it this way. It's when people say, my life's been changed. I'm no longer a slave. God brought me out of bondage, brought me out of Egypt. I, I made my way, after a little while, I made my way to a small group. And then I was able to open up after time with some of them in the group because I trusted them. And I shared this with them. I trusted them with this. And I found healing from that because I needed somebody to get it out to, someone that wouldn't judge me but would love me and pray for me and support me. And then and I found someone in that group that would watch my back because then I needed some accountability because it still comes after me at times. It still tempts me at times. I need someone to help me. I needed a group of people in a big church to love me and care for me. And I went to the growth track then and I figured out how God wired me. Why am I the way I am? And, and that's why I know now that's why I can do this and I can't do that. And that's why I can work with kids, but I can't do something else. That's why I can help people and greet them because I'm just pers- my personality is such. That's why I can do this and serve here and serve there. Are you getting the picture here. Then you celebrate that, hey, you know what? I'm doing what I'm created to do with other people. I'm part of a family making a difference. I'm part of God and God is part of me. And then we celebrate the cup of praise. And the fourth cup of praise is this, be empowered and be fulfilled. Because then you can do what you're created to do in that family of God. We enjoy life and ministry and all the things that happen here. And so, you know, the number I shared, the 325 plus people that gave their life to Christ. See, it's not just to Pastor Don's credit because I preached and gave an altar call. It's to everybody walking in cup number four. Empowered, enabled, serving and working. It's the credit of the people in the blue shirts helping you find a treat, a, a treat helping you find a treat. Hey, afterwards, see the ushers have treats for you. I don't know. <laughs> helping you find a seat, which is a treat helping you. It's to the greeters that welcome you. You were having a bad morning because you were fumbling with kids and frustrated. Their hair's not fixed and all, getting all kinds of stuff out. And are you? It's to the people when you checked your kids in that you knew they were going to give you hopefully at least 90 minutes, probably today, a little bit longer time to be able to, be able to come in here. It's, it's to the people that come and, and let them worship. Even on their birthday, they're up here singing their heart out using their gift. It's to the people all over this campus that aren't even serving today, but are sitting in chairs praying for you and interceding for you. Empowered and enabled. That's when we're all part of the family of God. See, it's not one person up here getting credit for any of this. It's the family of God, but more importantly, it's God. And he allows us, yet he, yet he invites us to be a part of what he's doing, part of his family. He invites us up higher, climb a little higher. See, I'm staying away from the drinking thing. Climb a little higher, climb a little higher, climb a little higher. Come on, don't stop on cup number two. Come on, the, view, the views there is great. I'm with you, but it's better up here. Come on, don't stop on cup three. And so many of us stop on cup one. And I would say, keep climbing, because the view up here is amazing. Keep going. God is a good and faithful God. And you know why all that's possible? Because I'm saved. I'm saved. That's just my starting point. Don't stop at cup one. Don't stop there. Keep climbing. 
the view is so much better from the top. Let me say this before I close. That's why we have to work so hard to get other people to come and drink from cup one because you can't experience cup two, three, and four unless you've experienced cup one. Family, tree of life, we have got to work to get people in here so they can drink from the first cup and they can get on that journey and start climbing and experience the amazing things God has for them. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. My heart, my hope was to express the plan and purpose of God for our life. It begins, of course, with that first cup of salvation, which is our primary purpose because none of the other matters unless we've drinking or drank from that first cup. So we always provide an opportunity for people that have never taken that first step to come to Christ, to come to Christ. Extend that invitation, see, because he stands with an outstretched arm. And you may feel exactly what we described this morning. You may feel like you're in a mud pit and you're working and you're in bondage and you feel a slave to the things around about you, to the circumstances of life. And your only freedom is to reach up and take that outstretched arm of Jesus and allow him to pull you up out of that pit and set your feet on a better way. Old things become passed away. All things become new. You trade the old master for Jesus, the old Lord, for the Lord of lords, King of kings. All it takes is to reach up to that hand and take the one extended to you, an invitation. I see that hand, Jesus. Here's mine. Pull me out. If you cannot remember a moment in time that you gave your heart, your life to Jesus, purposely, intentionally, today's your day. If you think maybe you did as a kid at grandma's, one VBS, one summer, then you want to be sure today's your day. Don't be a slave any longer. Don't be in bondage to an evil taskmaster. Allow him to pull you up out of that place. I'm going to pray a prayer of commitment in just a moment. I'm not going to have anybody stand up. I'm not going to have anybody come up front. In fact, we're all going to pray the prayer of commitment together, whether we raise our hands or not. So I want to ask you, if you're here and you cannot remember a moment in time and you would say, that's me, pastor, I feel that tugging I want to give my life to Jesus, or I want to make sure. Can you include me in that commitment prayer? Can I just see your hand this morning? Just raise your hand quickly. Just put it up quickly. Come on, don't wait. Just put it up quickly. Don't wait. Reach out. It's like, just like reaching out to that hand of Jesus, just real quick. I know that sounded a little cheesy, but sit that picture of him reaching down to you. Just real quick. Raise that hand. Let me see it all over, all over, all over. Amen. Amen. Let today be the day that you allow him to pull you out of that pit and start a new life. Anybody else as I look around? One more time. Don't wait any longer. Thank you in the back. Thank you. Anybody else? Man, don't miss your day. Thank you. This is your day of freedom. This is your day he brought you out of Egypt. Thank you. Who else? Anybody else? All these hands. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know what, Pastor? I prayed that prayer before, but it seems like he's a million miles away. I've actually drank from that first cup but I stopped there and I know he's got so much more. In fact, I've got distracted. I've got off track. I've got off course and for you, we'd say, just make a course adjustment. This morning, just make that course adjustment. We might call rededicate, recommit, but if that's you this morning and you know you need to make an adjustment, get back on track with the things of God and you'd say, Pastor, could you include me in that prayer also? Let me see your hand real quick. Let me see that just real quick. Put them up real quick. Thank you, thank you, thank you. More importantly, God sees your hand. Most importantly, God sees your heart. All right, everyone put your hands down. Look up for another moment. As I said, we're gonna pray a prayer of commitment. I'm gonna ask you to repeat this prayer, but the power in it is attaching your heart to it. So even though you're repeating it, let them be your words. As you pray these words out, let them be from your heart, and God sees your heart and does what only he can do, change and transform you from the inside out. So if you would, repeat this after me, but mean it from your heart. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son. 
sent to the earth to die on a cross, to pay for my sin, and go to a grave and rise again in victory. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying. Thank you for paying for my sin. And thank you for rising again so I can be free. So Jesus, I ask you now, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Savior and Lord, now and forever. I receive you now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God's a good God. He's a faithful God. You can trust him. Hey, guess what? A whole bunch of people just got saved. Amen. That's awesome. Drinking from that first cup. Keep going. Keep climbing. Don't stop there. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.